Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This week we have a very special edition of Retro Ups and Downs because it's WrestleMania 24. And if you so care, I was there. I sat there live. It was my first ever WrestleMania. I may have cried when the countdown clock got to zero because I am a massive nerd and it also meant I got to see Ric Flair's retirement. We have to do it in inverted commas these days, but I got to see Ric Flair's retirement up close and personal. And I was so inspired by all of this, the very next day after I'd landed back here in the UK, I got in my car and I drove to a wrestling training session. I had made up my mind I was going to become a professional wrestler and it took me a few more years before I actually kind of succeeded with that. And the pandemic came along and ruined everything. But look, better late than never, but better never late. The point is, I thought I'd regale you with some of my tales from that event because I didn't just go as a fan who wanted to have a good time. I mean, I did. But at the time, I was also editing a couple of video game magazines. And because people wanted coverage, THQ said, hey, Simon, we're doing a lot for that year's WWE game. Would you like to come to this magic venue and interview some wrestlers? I said yes. So Matt Hardy was there, MVP, Beth Phoenix, and also Santina Morella, who was so tired from all the press that he'd already done, he just went, look, I'm going to talk in my normal accent, but when you write it up, if you want to add some of my twang, that's fine. Not going to lie, one of the best days ever. I was also told that Randy Orton was going to be in attendance, but the last minute that got changed, and everyone was like, well, that's a shame, but what are you going to do? And later on, when I needed to go and use the bathroom, I found a cornered off area and who should be sat there? None other than the Viper. Because I'm all like, you've got to take these opportunities when they come and punch you in the face. I went up to Randy. I extended my hand. All of this is true. I said, Randy Orton, I am a big fan. You are a great wrestler. And he looked at me and he said, F*** off. And ever since then, he's been one of my favorites. I mean, who doesn't want a Randy Orton story like that? The highlight of the trip, though, happened when I first arrived at Miami Airport. Once again, from afar, I saw a professional wrestler, and I was like, well, I've got to go and say hello, because I'm an absolute buffoon. But this time, it was Scott Steiner, who, of course, was in the area, because 2008, TNA would run shows around WrestleMania weekend. So when, once again, I did extend my hand and said, great job, buddy. I didn't say the buddy. I was far more respectful at that. I got a little bit concerned, because Scott looked at me... Like I just slapped his mother. Then after I'd left and was headed down to the exit on an escalator, all of a sudden I just heard this. Thud, thud, bang, bang, thud, thud. I turned around, I looked back up the escalator, and who was there now staring at me once again like I'd stolen his wallet? 
it was none other than Scott Steiner and we just locked eyes until I got to the bottom of the escalator and I just walked off and to this day I have no idea what was going on. But I do know, I feel lucky to be alive. Otherwise, well, it's WrestleMania 24, isn't it? Of course, the very last match, kind of technically, who knows, of Ric Flair. And it really is just the perfect send-off. Like 70,000 people in the Citrus Bowl were well and truly behind him. It just gets you right in the heart. It gets you right in the tum-tum. It gives you all the feels. Don't pretend that this is all peaches and cream either. In the back in the office, they were hoping that Shawn Michaels' Ric Flair in Ric Flair's last ever match may push the buy rate for WrestleMania 24 over 1.1. So that's a lot of pressure. And who else was drafted in to try and make sure this happened? Almost kind of feels nuts when you think about it, but it was Floyd Mayweather who was going to take on the flipping big show. That's right, the boxer who apparently can never have enough cash was reportedly paid $20 million for this. It was far closer to $5 million. But let's not pretend that WWE was throwing around that cash for fun. They wanted some more eyes on their product. Of course, it was also all built around the fact that at No Way Out a couple of months beforehand, Floyd Mayweather had actually broken Big Show's nose. Now, it's really hard to know whether this is true or not because it is pro wrestling. Someone could turn up on Raw and just make up a bunch of baloney and because we're all sheep, we go, meh, meh, we believe it. But no, this certainly did seem to be legit, especially if you go back and look at the Big Show's nose at that event. I mean, it was all twisted and twangled. Big Show has also told the story that he said to Shane McMahon, you better hold me back, otherwise I'm going to kill him. Can you imagine if that had happened? Paul White, the Big Show, the former giant, murders boxing champion Floyd Mayweather. I mean, you couldn't make it up. Jeff Hardy was also meant to win the money in the bank on this show, but didn't when he ran into some personal problems and also burned down his house. And I'll try and get this right. The Hall of Fame was held at the Amway Arena, which then died and then came back as the Amway Center, maybe the other way around, but either way, that's where the Thunderdome one was. So the more things change, the more they stay the same. Anywho, let's jump back to 2008 and take the finger of power to which was at the time the highest grossing WWE pay-per-view ever. That's not true anymore. But again, we just transported ourselves back to 2008. Why can't you keep up? Let's up those downs. And then after all that, our first match is JBL taking on Fit Finley with his new son, Hornswoggle. Go and say those words to anybody that doesn't watch wrestling and they'll just look at you like you got some kind of disease. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but they're in the right. Either way, flubbing hell up. Because this is clearly in the back. Bradshaw and Fit had clearly said to one another, shall we try and kill each other? I don't want to live anymore. So that's what they do. They are hitting each other so hard. And because it's a Belfast brawl, there's kendo sticks and chairs and trash cans. And we're not trying to protect the other guy. At one point, Bradshaw just launches this at Fit Finley's head like he wants his brain to explode. And I ain't a doctor, but I don't think that's very good for your health. Bradshaw at one point also goes after Hornswoggle and he gets hit so hard it like he enters a different dimension and then he gets the kendo stick, he smacks it right on Fit Finley's head and then hits him with such a stiff clothesline from hell, I think my neck hurt and then he beat him. And I was like, this is meant to be WrestleMania where the good guys win and here the bully that essentially beat up a child has been victorious. And all my hopes and dreams died. The worst part was we then cut to Hornswoggle who's on the outside and he's crying away because basically his father just got destroyed. And do you know what I did? I laughed. I thought it's quite funny. I don't know why. I suppose because if you saw a real child crying, you would go put camera on him, put camera on him. But that's what we were doing here. I'm a very bad person. And then here in the back was Mr. Kennedy. 
Kennedy. And I can't handle seeing Mr. Kennedy on WWE TV, as we have talked about before, because he went from being a future world champion to fired in around about four seconds. Also here, the interviewer is Kim Kardashian, who, do not forget, is still famous, massively famous in 2020, just because one day she went, hey, why don't you come into my life? I don't get it. With all that warm-up out of the way, though, we do go right into the Money in the Bank match, and I just can't help it. As much as I enjoy it having its own pay-per-view, it's one of the few stipulations we haven't run into the ground, it is so much better as a WrestleMania tradition. As soon as I realized what was coming, I lit up like a Christmas tree, which is very apt for the time of year. It is so easily getting it up. And it's so entertaining, it's like dancing naked in your kitchen on a Sunday morning. And of course, Jeff Hardy isn't here because he was burning down his house. Just look it up if you don't know what I'm talking about. But instead, we get CM Punk, we get Carlito, we get MVP, we get Shelton Benjamin, we get John Morrison, we get Chris Jericho, and we get Mr. Kennedy. Kennedy. And I think they must have taken inspiration from the first match and from every other Mining the Bank ladder match we've ever done. Because again, some of the spots here. I mean, I always try and do my research and I look up what other people said at the time. And you get stupid lines like, I think it wasn't as crazy as other ladder matches. Who cares? That's like a serial killer going, well, we'll let you off murder number 41 because it wasn't as bad as murder number 37. All of them are unreal. Morrison was doing a moonsault with the ladder onto everybody quicker than you can go, why is your character the same now as it was 12 years ago? And by the time Mr. Kennedy, Kennedy is doing a rolling fireman's carry with a ladder onto CM Punk, you just grit your teeth and you go, oh my word, how does CM Punk's ribs not just explode? Shelton Benjamin then runs up one ladder and gets tossed off that and he falls to another one that's been propped up on the outside and just goes crashing into the mat. So he's out of this. And it's only then when MVP goes, wait, why are we just chucking ladders at each other? We're meant to be trying to get the briefcase. And he finally climbs. Honestly, this has been going on about four hours before somebody remember, go up. This is a brilliant moment, though, because all of a sudden Matt Hardy makes his big return to WWE. And he had been taken out by MVP. And he hits him with a twist of fate off the top of the ladder. Honestly, what we should do with Money in the Bank, once again, get more non-wrestling fans in, make them watch these, and then play a game where you go, here's 50 wrestlers that were in Money in the Bank, here's the spot they did, do you think they're now alive, or do you think they're in the grave? And I bet they go, everyone, they're in the grave. I don't know why I'm so focused on death, I just can't handle the violence. That's also a terrible idea for a game show, please never do it. Anyway, it ends with Chris Jericho and CM Punk atop the ladder. And because Jericho's the biggest star, the crowd starts to swell. So they're like, oh my gosh, Chris, he's going to do it. Go get him, baby. But he doesn't. So he falls, he gets his leg caught in the ladder, and CM Punk becomes Mr. Money in the Bank. And I remember being really surprised by this at the time, especially in the live crowd. We were all looking around going, what? CM Punk, CM Punk? But as we know, this was when his star was about to burn brightest. Well, no, it would take another three, four years before that happened, and then it kind of imploded in on itself. But it was a nice shock. I remember thinking, man, I believe in this guy. It was the Hall of Fame inductee segment after this, and these get harder and harder to watch every year because you realize the people in the class are passing away, and it hits you right in the heart. And then somehow, 2008 WWE kind of tied in to modern wrestling. Because the man who recently released some branded merchandise with The Undertaker and who is about to appear on AEW Dynamite is backstage at WrestleMania 24. And of course, I'm talking about Snoop Dogg. I am 99% sure if I could find out Snoop Dogg's price and offer him it, he would come on ups and downs. I don't know what we'd do. Maybe we just play tiddlywinks, but he would accept. He was doing a bit with Festus, who you will recall was always in a state, and Snoop was trying to claim that's not because he has personal problems, it's because he smokes a lot of weed. And I looked at my fist and I thought, maybe instead of watching this, 
I'm gonna just punch myself in the face. Thankfully, Santino walked in and did some of his Santino stuff and I always enjoyed it. But then of course, Snoop Dogg rang the bell. That turned Festus into an alive monster and he chased him off. Then Mick Foley popped up with Socko and went like, uh, fizzle my shizzle. All of this was absolutely shocking. Hey everyone, I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. It was then Batista versus Umaga, or Umanga, as William Regal always used to say, and WWE was billing this as Raw versus SmackDown. Now, I have no recollection of this watching it live, which surprised me, because when it happened, I was like, oh, this looks like something I'm going to enjoy. But the crowd doesn't care. They're absolutely dead. It barely gets any time. And I think that Batista was so desperate to have a good match, well, he just tries a little bit too hard. Sorry, Dave. Down. I guess that's a stupid thing to say. It's like when you're watching sports and the commentator goes, Will he hit it too well? And you're like, What does hit it too well, you absolute moron? But it all kind of ties into the finish because Batista decided he was going to hit Umaga with the Batista bomb. So everyone's like, How's he going to do this? Umaga is not a small man. But being the professional wrestler that he is, he uses all the spring in his legs and then sadly he oversprings. Batista goes flying backwards, kind of just drops him on his back, makes the pin. But you can just see everyone involved going, are we all okay? Thank goodness we got through that. Everybody saw it like, oh my God, this is the best Batista bomb ever just because he hit it. But that's like me saying I'm not bald because I have some hair on my head. And I desperately wanted this to be good, but it kind of felt like it was just shuffled in. Because in 2008, which they still kind of are now, WWE is just obsessed with Raw versus SmackDown. All the time, Raw versus SmackDown. I can't even remember who was Raw and SmackDown here. That's not true, Umaga was Raw and Batista was SmackDown, but I wanted to make a point. We then really crapped the bed. 
down. I remember all of this, so it must have meant something. But before WrestleMania had kicked off, we had a pre-show battle royal, which was won by Kane, meaning later on, he was allowed to fight for the WWE CW Championship that was currently held by Chavo Guerrero. As it turned out, though, we finally learned that WWE didn't care about their rehab ECW brand, because this is how it went. Chavo Guerrero spends around about 19 hours getting to the ring. I mean, he takes longer than The Undertaker. Then Kane's music plays. He appears behind Chavo, hits him with a choke slam, and beats him for the 1-2-3 to become the brand new ECW champion. So in case back in 2008 you were just waiting for WWE to get a gun and kill this off, well this is one of the moments where it happened. Also when there was a mummy on the program and the December to Dismember pay-per-view which we've done here on Retro Ups and Downs. Also nobody, and I mean nobody, gave two hoots about this properly because it was over quicker than it takes someone to use the toilet. But there is more to this or so was said at the time. Because those TNA shows were in town, everybody in WWE had been told don't go to the TNA show after one of the Highlanders had been caught at one of their TV tapings and it had kicked up a stink. Apparently Chavo Guerrero wasn't really into this and spent some of his time talking to the TNA talent and this was his punishment. Is it true? I don't know. I quit in 2007. And then Raven was here from She's So Raven. You remember that TV show that had a stupid title because who else is she going to be? She's Raven. She's So Raven. I don't mean the wrestler Raven. I mean the TV star Raven. This segment, you can't explain it. She was just here. She had to pretend that she was well into wrestling, but a blind person could have told she wasn't that into wrestling. I mean, all of this was about as authentic as Vince McMahon saying he doesn't want to own his wrestlers. (laughs) Little jive. We then got into our main event, which actually wasn't our main event, Ric Flair versus Shawn Michaels, and if Ric Flair loses, he has to retire. Now, every fan on the planet and their dog knew that the Nature Boy was about to say goodbye, but it's so well built, it's so well done, it's so flippin' emotional, it is in many ways perfect. Even watching it now, emotionally, it puts me right back in the Citrus Bowl, and that damn video they played before this, leave the memories alone, it's like, don't cry, please don't cry. There's only one thing you can give when it comes to this. I mean, if you didn't emotionally invest, I don't know what's wrong with you. And it doesn't just get an up, it gets a golden up. Even if you thought somehow the Nature Boy wasn't going to lose here, he comes out in such an audacious and over-the-top robe. On the back, it may as well have said, oh, by the way, I'm about to retire. But again, who gives a flub? Within seconds, he's transformed into the dirtiest player in the game. He refuses to shake Shawn Michaels' hand and he's slapping him around. Just deep down in your stomach, you kind of think, oh, maybe he is going to do it, even though your brain is sending you messages going, are you that stupid? I'm out of here. So that Homer Simpson thing and then you just fall on the floor. Flair freaks out at one point going, oh, Jella, I'm not old Jella, because of course HBK had made reference to that. And the best thing about it is it reminds me of that Nitro promo, which we'll never probably talk about here on Retro Ups and Downs, when Flair goes absolutely insane, whips off all his clothes, and then starts elbow dropping his jacket. Once again, if you want to have a good time, go and show that to someone who doesn't watch wrestling. It is so entertaining, you will have an orgasm. Not have an orgasm, it's just quite funny. And then there's that terrible book where Shawn Michaels goes to do an acai moonsault and Flair gets out the way and Shawn Michaels just flies right into the table. I mean, much like CM Punk earlier, how did he not break his sternum? How are his knees still working? This was a man coming back from major back surgery. This should have been the end. Once again, wrestling makes no sense. It looks so bad, but the joy is this is when Ric Flair takes over. And before all of this had taken off, Flair had said to Vince McMahon he doesn't want the main event slot even though he'd been offered it just in case this didn't go to plan. But I tell you, even now 12 years later, 
I don't think these two could have done a better job. Flair misses another catch on the outside on Sean and he goes walloping into the floor. So once again, I was like, how is he walking away from this? And by the time nature's locked in the figure four, fans are losing their minds because they just want to believe. And never forget, that's what wrestling's all about, suspending your disbelief, even when the story is punching you right in the face. That one was too hard. And I know that is true because I was there and everybody in the crowd were just making so much noise. We were essentially playing our roles sometimes that's just what you want fans to do. The flare strut into the sweet chip music is one of the best near falls you're ever likely to see, especially because afterwards Rick takes his hand and wham, Shawn Michaels right in the testicles. Who knew balls could bring so much joy? And on that note, who knew a finish in wrestling could bring so much sadness? Now we all kind of forget before he hits the second super kick, Shawn Michaels smashes Ric Flair with another one, but when it comes to the follow-up, he stands in the corner, he whispers out loud and makes sure that everybody can read his lips, I'm sorry, I love you, he then finishes him off like old Yella, shoots him, puts him to bed. One, two, three, and everybody in the crowd started to cry. I mean, no one more than Ric Flair. You can ring up Ric Flair on the telephone and go, hey, Rick, how you doing? He just starts blubbing away. But all of it, oh, I tell you, it's what wrestling is about. I just said that, I'm saying it again. It's just absolute must-see TV. I felt privileged for being there. And when Ric Flair takes his final bow and walks off into the sunset, it's like a legend has come to a close. You do have to forget he then went to TNA and continued, but even Flair has said he hadn't have done that. We all make mistakes. Either way, this rules. Edge is then being interviewed backstage to try and bring us all back down to earth. And he's wearing that big entrance jacket he used to wear. And I was like, one, where did you get that made? And two, when you like go out in normal life, are you wearing that? Because people probably stared. His whole point here is that he's going to beat The Undertaker and prove to everybody that relies on The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak that they're slight losers for doing that. And I don't want to say anything too loud, but when he said it, I thought to myself, well, to be honest, if anyone does actually rely on The Undertaker's WrestleMania streak, I'm just a little bit of a loser. And then poor Maria, Beth Phoenix, Ashley Mazzaro, and Melina, and all the other lumberjacks in this Playboy bunny bout, whatever the hell they called it. Not only are they wheeled out just to sort of be in whatever this farce was, along with Snoop Dogg, who's out in a pimped out golf wagon, but none of the fans could give two hoots because they're absolutely spent that they just saw the best wrestler of all time say goodbye. I mean, we should have just had a break here. Someone should have just come out with popcorn and sold it down. Santina Morella gets punched in the face by Jerry Lawler, and when Beth Phoenix is about to win, all the lights go out. It's like the wrestling powers that be have just gone, we don't care about this, shut it down. I mean, remember we talked about earlier how Ric Flair should have come out with his robe that said, I'm going to retire. Here, a WWE official should have come out with a flag and on it, it should have said, look, right now in 2008, we're not going to lie, we just don't care about women's wrestling. I mean, it's so unfair and it's so awkward because after Santina Morella takes the mick out of Maria and Snoop Dogg clotheslines him, Maria and Snoop Dogg make out for way too long. And I had one of those outer body experiences when I thought to myself, somebody is trying to tell me that Maria and Snoop Dogg making out is entertaining. Let me tell you this, it was not. The sheer madness of Mania 24 then continues because it's a triple threat match for the WWE title. Now, if we were booking this in 2020, WWE absolutely would have swapped this in the women's match around. But we've got Triple H, we've got Randy Orton, and we've got John Cena. 
And I tell you this, they don't get much time, but they make the most of it up. And you kind of thought to yourself, huh, maybe Orton is going to retain here, because of course this wasn't going on last, so why else just throw it into kind of the middle of the card? The story behind this is also so good. This match was meant to be Triple H versus Randy Orton for the big belt, but after John Cena proved he wasn't human, and he came back at the Royal Rumble 2008 after his injury, the decision was made, well, we can't just not have him in the title picture, and then Triple H went, well, wait a minute, I mean, I was meant to win the Royal Rumble, and you've already taken that away from me. I decide I want to be in that thing, so it was just made a three-way. The thing is, though, all three of these guys are good, if not great. And if you don't think that, you're absolutely crazy and probably having some kind of argument on Reddit. <laughs> Shots fired. Randy here as well is on absolute fire. He has found his feet as the asshole hill champion everybody despises. But because he was so good in the role, you have that 2008 wrestling thing where some fans were like, well, now I'm the biggest Randy Fortin fan ever. And you can even hear him cheering his name. Otherwise, this is just your classic WWE triple threat match. At one point, Randy Orton is in the STFU, so Triple H saves him. When John Cena gets him back in the STFU, he applies a cross face to John. Because why wouldn't you do that even though it makes more sense? On a side note, one of my friends the other day said, why doesn't UFC and MMA do triple threat matches? And all you need to know is that guy is no longer my friend. You can also tell that Cena hasn't officially coronated himself at the top of the card yet because of how it ends. Because Triple H not only hits a pedigree onto the man that you can't see, but then from nowhere, Randy Orton punts the game in the head. That knocks him off. He steals the pin. So technically, technically, John Cena lost twice. I mean, that's amazing. That would never happen anymore. But like I say, it doesn't outstay its welcome. And it's just really entertaining. We should do more stuff like this at WrestleMania. Not everything needs to be a 46-minute classic. Which is also the perfect way to describe Floyd Mayweather versus The Big Show. Once again, I remember being there live. And one, I was surprised how fun it was. But two, I was damn shocked how much Floyd Mayweather actually did. Like, there were rumors at the time, he's just going to jump around them and like, I'm a boxer, I'm a boxer. But no, he got his ass whipped. So it was a really good template about how to use a celebrity at WrestleMania. And while it may not have garnered the same kind of madness as Donald Trump did 12 months earlier, I think I prefer this up. Mayweather had already decided this was a boxing match, so he comes out in his gloves and that looks ridiculous, but not as ridiculous as the sheer size difference between these two guys. Big Show is like seven foot tall. Obviously Floyd Mayweather was basically a welterweight or a middleweight. It is just the darndest of all sides. There was also no nonsense. At no point did Mayweather pretend that he was gonna be the good guy. And he even goes to his corner halfway through the match and he starts drinking out of a gold goblet like he thinks he's in The Witcher or Game of Thrones. Big Show then started to take out members of his team, which gave you the impression of, oh, Floyd's not gonna do that much, but you were totally wrong. Even then it was about selling what this was, which is why when Big Show finally got his hands on Floyd and stomped on his hand, you audibly hear the crowd, I was one of them, go, <gasps> because obviously that's his boxing hand and that is how you sell something. He also gets flipped over and sidewalk slammed and about that point the insurance company was sweating buckets and of course the big turning point comes when one of his team throws in a chair and he starts to thwomp Big Show with it so hard, well they must have gotten over their nose encounter at No Way Out, there is nothing fake about this. Somehow though nothing is as bad when he also gets his hands on some brass knucks. He punches Big Show right in the face, and I want you to go and do this. Go and watch this 32 times. An odd number, but still I'm saying it. I don't get it. To the point words almost didn't come out of my mouth. You give Floyd Mayweather, one of the best defensive boxers ever, his hand and his brass knuckles, and he went, just punch Big Show in the face. Because that's what this was. It meant the Big Show wasn't able to get back to his feet in the count of 10, which was a stupid stipulation that had been added to this so that nobody had got pinned. But again, what a piece of business this was. 
listen to me talking like I'm actually a real wrestler. Even over a decade later though, this is still far better than you think it is. Just a great example of what we can do even now. <laughs> I had a really good time. But not as much as the time I had when we got to the main event. Like, you can never really explain it, but The Undertaker and Edge just had this superb chemistry where they were in the ring together, and this is of such a high standard that at the time, anyone who was going, well, I don't think Edge can be a real main eventer, well, he just proved you damn wrong. The crowd are quite quiet at the start, but the pair just grab them by the balls and take them on quite a ride. And I'm not gonna lie, a lot of my love for this is that I got to see The Undertaker, one of my favorite characters ever, actually lift the World Heavyweight Championship. But even still, it is getting it up. The best part is when you hear Edge talk about it today, because while I don't think anybody actually thought about breaking the streak, this was pitched to Edge, and he went, no man, I don't want anything to do with that. I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be hated by every single wrestling fan on the planet. He knew. For all those Undertaker need to retire types as well, this is one of the matches you need to go back and see, because even at 45 years old, he does that dive over the top rope, and it is just a thing of beauty. I have dated people that are worse looking than that. The whole story as well was that Edge had the dead man's number here and he was always a step ahead of the game. And also, if you can believe this, we get a ref bump in this match. And let's just take a minute, wind your brains back. Have we mentioned one referee bump on WrestleMania? No, we haven't, because WWE had limited themselves to the single number. I mean, somebody in WWE would melt down if you suggested that today. Today we have to have 56 distractions and 42 surprise roll up and at least four. Oh, somebody else's entrance music is playing. I forgot I'm meant to be fighting in the ring. They allowed Edge to hit Undertaker in the balls, which of course wasn't the first one on this show. And then he goes out of the ring and gets a camera and smacks that into the Undertaker's face as well, which was a play off everything that had happened at Survivor Series. Now there it had worked for the rated R superstar and it may have worked here too, but he goes to get the ref but he's so aggressive with him, he knocks him back out. Referees in professional wrestling are like paper. It was here when Taker did his big sit up and man, I remember this like yesterday. 15 years, I had wanted to see The Undertaker sit up like a zombie and when he did, I was so damn happy. This is also the match where Charles Robinson takes that massive run down the huge WrestleMania rampway, but what no one ever talks about is the reason that he's doing this. The Undertaker has hit the tombstone in the ring, right? And it takes Charles Robinson around about two weeks before he gets there. And he goes one, and he goes two, and then Edge kicks out at like 2.3 fourths. But even then the crowd still goes, oh my gosh, that is how you get a finishing move over. Somebody could have had a child in the space in between, but you still thought it was going to win the match. 2008, though, as we know, is the year that Undertaker decided he was now an MMA fighter because, you know, he does have the purest strikes in the game. And that's why this ends with the go-go platter. Now, you could complain about that till the cows come home, but just go and listen to the reaction. As soon as Edge hits the spear and Undertaker reverses it into the submission move and Edge taps out, everybody flipping adores it. And when you've got the crowd you did the right thing. It also meant for only the third time at WrestleMania and the last time he'd ever win at the big one, The Undertaker becomes the World Heavyweight Champion. And if you want to start talking about underrated main events, I would start right here. It's so damn good. As is WrestleMania 24 overall. Once again, I'm massively biased because I was there and it will always hold a special place in my heart. But look, here we are in 2020, all these years later. And did I feel that special something down in my socks once again? You're damn right I did. So let's give it an up. Do you love anime, gaming, movies, and discovering how your favorite pop culture affects everything you do? Then join us on Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. 
every week you can listen in while we break down the latest pop culture news and dish on what new releases we can't get enough of. Whether you love movies, I'm going to tell you all about the uh, hopeful 4K re-release of Tron Legacy that happens. (laughs) (laughs) I'm right there with you. Or music. The music in this show is absolutely incredible. Or anime. And under this mask is another mask. (laughs) (laughs) You can discover your new favorites right here on The Anime Effect. Listen every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts, and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or on the Crunchyroll YouTube channel.